What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Blurt It Out. The chapter has dropped, so you know it's time for us to mobilize. We got a few things on the docket today. We got the new chapter, of course, 11,008. We're going to be talking about a little bit of agenda piece, some things going on on Twitter, because that's always hilarious. We're going to be talking about witchcraft works, which I just recently finished. This has been a hotel video that I'm making that is really stupid, but funny, at least to me. And a little bit more about Final Fantasy VII. But before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. That's right, we have sponsors. It's me. I'm Sponsors. You are now listening to the Blur Out Podcast, which is available on your favorite podcast websites like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Check the link in the description or search Blur It Out wherever you podcast and you will find greatness. Episodes are also uploaded on my main YouTube channel at Tyrant King Kuma and on the official podcast YouTube channel at Blur It Out Podcast. Okay, as per usual, if you have not caught up to the latest episodes or chapters of what we're discussing today, there will be spoilers ahead. Spoilers. Now getting to the chapter, One Piece has both the Shonen Jump cover and it has its own color spread for this week. So we're doing big things like always. Now they have Gear 5 for the cover and the way One Piece is written, it looks a lot like the, the remake style of One Piece, the Wit Studio animation remake style. I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be or not, and I can't read whatever's happening on this page, but it looks dope. The color spread is also clean. You got some of the One Piece ladies. You got Uda, you got Nami, you got Toshigi, Reiju, Hancock, and Robin. All just chilling, being fancy, drinking some wine, hanging out with like, it looks like terriers. Basically, they have a bunch of dogs around them. Looking gorgeous. I'm thoroughly upset that we still don't have Ulti and Perona in more color spreads, but this one does look nice. It's really surprising how often Uta shows up in these color spreads now. Like, she's showing up at alarming levels. I'm wondering what the comparison is to her and Jinbei being in color spreads, or even her and Yamato being in color spreads. That would be interesting to see. Now, as far as the chapter, we start back where we left off where Toribu is talking to Van Auger and Katarina about going to see Teach. And this is something that we've been waiting for for a long time. We knew it was going to happen at some point, but finally seeing it kind of take action, it hits a little bit different. Because basically, Horibu has all of this information about ancient weapons. He knows about Poseidon, and he knows about Pluton. And he's basically like, I can give Teach this information, but you gotta take me there first. So he's basically trying to bargain with Zep because Augur is about to shoot him in the face. And from what we've seen from Augur, like the past chapters and episodes, I am not doubtful that he could probably just blow his head off. Augur seems to be on that kind of time. Augur interestingly points out that there are people after the Commodore's life. So people are after Teach's life. And basically he's safeguarding that. Now, I wonder if he's just being incredibly cautious or if he actually has concerns about this. Because you would think Teach is pretty safe for people coming after his life. Like he's not going to be stressing unless it's a, a Kaido level threat or like a Shanks level threat. So I feel like more than anything, he's just being, you know, overly cautious, but it is what it is. He's being right hand man. 
and to be honest i don't see them losing in this scenario anyway because either they take caribou he has the knowledge and teach gets that or they take him he doesn't have the knowledge and they take his fruit and kill so i mean win-win either way they come out on top back to shore we have the battleships basically pulling out so this is another thing i was talking about was the pacifista should be more durable than what the battleships can dish out pretty much like cannon fire really shouldn't be effective to them and i know they took out like one but it looks like they're having trouble with the rest to the point where they're like all right we gotta roll back we can't do this and i i completely forgot that these levels of pacifista have the the bubble basically abilities like not exactly kuma's ability but they have bubble based abilities so like they have these shields and everything and they're like blocking bombs they're probably sending them back plus they have pacifista lasers like they they have the whole nine yards and they're wiping out the the entire set of battleships we get some introducing shots to some vice admirals here some we already met some i don't think we met before namely i don't remember hound and guillotine being introduced last time i remember bluegrass because i remember they introduced her power i don't remember the other two and what they basically decide is that they can't get through the pacifistas by attacking them so they got to get them back on their side the only way they do that is to take bonnie's head now with the way that would work is if they took bonnie's head i don't know that the order goes away because I think you would have to have someone who has a higher level of command over the pacifista give them a command. So as long as Bonnie has made that command, I don't know that killing her would immediately wipe that out. But, you know, it's very possible they don't know that. It's very possible that's not the case. That's just the way I see it. Speaking of taking Bonnie's head, one of the vice admirals ends up pretty much right behind him. And he's using Roshiki techniques because he has like what he calls the tin barrel finger gun. So he has Shigun, but with all 10 of his fingers instead of just the, the finger pistol. And it seems to be something specific to him because the name of the move he uses is Tosa Crunch. And his name is Vice Admiral Tosa. So I think that's specifically his thing. Kind of like certain different people can use Roshiki techniques to a higher degree. Like Luchin is Rokyogun. But he's a Vice Admiral that's not named Garp. So he gets fodderized pretty quick by the Giants. Dory and Bragi show up and they're basically like we don't know who y'all is because they looked at the bounty posters and they're like we know who's on the crew we don't know y'all and that's hilarious because I, I had forgotten Frankie's bounty posters of the Thousand Sunny so they have no idea who Frankie is because the bounty poster is wrong and I kind of wish there would have been like a, a gag with Sanji but they know what's, who Sanji looks like by now so they, they don't have that gag but that would be hilarious. They're pretty easily convinced that, you know, they're Luffy's friends. And I mean, I think it's the the name drop that specifically gets to them. Because Bonnie says Luffy, Sanji, and Vegapunk are back there. And Bonnie's like, you gotta go help them. So I think that kind of hit them where like, okay, they want us to help. So they, they must be at the very least good. They also go on to say that Vegapunk is the one that the scholar mentioned. And if... If the hints are moving right, because they they mentioned Saul a couple times in this in this chapter, I'm wondering if they're talking about Saul as the that scholar, because risky I don't know who else it would be. The only people that are really alive and still connected to Ahara are Robin and Saul. So 
I think would have to be solved. Plus, giants, talking to giants, I think that all makes sense. Now, they're taking Frankie, Bonnie, Atlas, and Kuma to the, the giant pirate ship, not necessarily Thousand Sunny. So I'm wondering if we're going to have two separate advances to Elbaf, one on the giant ship, one on the Sunny, or if they're going to travel together still. We get a few more Vice Admiral shots, and we get Dahl back, which we love. Probably the best Vice Admiral that we've seen in the, the new portion of the world here. Really want to see her go out and do some fighting, but you know, just having her in chapter is good. Now, Dahl mentions that Saul was her commanding officer. And this is what I mean, because they keep dropping like little hints to Saul, Saul, Saul. Which is kind of out of the blue because, you know, we haven't talked about Saul in a couple of chapters now. So clearly he's coming back up again. But that's interesting. I wonder, I don't know if we got Dahl's age, but I think that would mean she's in her 40s, at least. Because Saul was her commanding officer over 20 years ago. So I doubt she started in the, the Navy or in the Marines when she was like, 10 so i'm guessing she's going to be somewhere in her 40s or 50s which you you wouldn't guess it but you know how old it be stepping back to the main conflict saturn has turned yet again from being punched off screen and as he walks up we get the conversation of luffy sanji and vegapunk talking about trying to move vegapunk but vegapunk keeps saying like if i move i'll die and i mean even if that's true if he stays there he also dies so at this point and pretty much Luffy's like, whatever, just move him. Just forget about what he's talking about. No, let's do it. Get him out of the way. And I really like this panel of Saturn coming in and Sanji kind of staring him down while Luffy talks to Vegapunk. Like, it's it's a really crispy panel. And when I first saw it, I was like, man, Saturn looks weird. Like, I don't know if he's just drawn weird or if he's actually weird, but something's off here. And it turns out, yeah, he's got some kind of weird power going on right now almost a second level of awakening but more reminiscent to monster point chopper free time skip because like he's not talking he's just attacking so like i'm wondering if some level of sentience has been traded for attack power and even sanji mentions that he doesn't even really look human anymore and in this form he appears to be completely coated in venom which we'll bring up later because that's that's going to be an interesting feat. But as Saturn approaches, Vegapunk talks about wanting to keep the whole Bonnie having control thing a secret because this puts a big target on her head. If she can control the pacifista, she can control a huge part of the marine army and probably one of the strongest parts. I think this also gives more credence to her having the ability over Seraphims as well as the pacifistas. And Vegapunk basically wants the Straw Hat crew to protect her for the rest of her life. Now, I don't know about rest of her life, but I do see Bonnie being a travel companion for a little while. She might end up getting the, the law treatment where she's like an honorary Straw Hat. And it might even be deeper than that. Because to be honest, Bonnie's crew has been fairly non-existent. Like we got to know at least a little bit of Law's crew. Like, we, we knew Beppo. Beppo was kind of like a mainstay. And then we have Sachi and Penguin. And even, like, Jean Bart to some degree. 
like even if it's just four different crewmates we still got to know them as you know individual characters bonnie's crew is just bonnie's crew so at this point if she leaves the crew if they go back you know whatever happens to them it really wouldn't impact us or the story but there's no telling how Oda's going to play that. We could get another Yamato situation. Anyway, Saturn starts just attacking and his his legs almost adopt a, I want to say like a, a rubbery kind of look to them because they, they turn into more like tentacles. Like instead of just being spider legs, they're like tentacles. They're stretching and waving, trying to hit everything in sight. And Luffy's dodging, Sanji ends up picking up Vegapunk, and they're about to dip. In comes Kizaru, who not only kicks Sanji, and I mean, Sanji kind of ate that kick, not gonna lie. Like, if this is a normal lightspeed kick, the same one that hit uh, Hawkins very early in Sabondi, then that's, that's a good Sanji feat. Like, he's still bleeding a little bit, but he didn't get launched away. He immediately recovered off that. And then Vegapunk gets hit with Amano Murakamo. Now, looking at the Amanomorakmo, where it hits specifically, it looks almost like the same spot that Saturn stabbed him in. So could it be possible that Kizaru is like cauterizing his wound, keeping him alive? Because I mean, if the hole is there, the hole is there. Like this isn't going to do more damage to that spot because it's already empty. And we even get like a, a small little panel of Kizaru with the, the shaded glasses, not saying anything. So I definitely think there's more to that stab than just him trying to kill Vegapunk. Now, Sanji picks him up and tries to leave again. This time, Kizaru's on hot pursuit. You see him turning into light, but, but, Big Goat Luffy steps up, grabs Saturn and Kizaru, holds him in place and says, y'all ain't going anywhere. Now, what I wanted to mention before with Saturn and his new form being completely covered in poison is that Luffy is gripping his face, which I would assume is also covered in poison. And nothing is happening. And I know that Luffy has a high resistance to poison or like, I guess it's specifically venom. I don't know if there's a huge difference, but Luffy has a resistance to it. But this seems to be like on contact burning so not so much as you know poisoning the body but destroying the body and he's still touching it like nothing's happening and this is in his giant form so he's gear five giant luffy right now so he's got he's already pretty much completely closed up in his hand and then he's just gripping saturn's face and i feel like this is this is a good testament to what oda does with gear five where Yes, some points will be a little goofy, but it's not like it's always goofy. I think for the entirety of Gear 5, it's never just been always goofy. There's always a, a serious or like an epic moment with Gear 5 where it's like, okay, I'm having fun, but also we're going to play it a little bit more serious. So as Luffy's holding those two back, Sanji mentions that Vegapunk is smiling. And after that, we start hearing a broadcast go out that's coming from Vegapunk. Now, this looks to be a satellite because, I mean, obviously Vegapunk is here in Sanji's arms, but he pretty much has a connection to the island and can easily, like, use another body to report in. 
and he sends a broadcast to what he says is the world, Sekai. And if we if we trace back to early Egghead, one of Vegapunk's things was wanting to share knowledge with the entire world. So I wonder if this has anything to do with that in particular, where he wanted knowledge to be available for everyone. Like, is this a prototype of his basically internet? Or is he just basically hijacking all the communication devices and sending a message out? Either way, he says that he's going to tell you the truth about our world. Now, that can mean a lot of things. I really wonder if it's going to be as cut forward as we think. Because the first thing is obviously like void entry. He's going to tell us about void entry. But even Vegapunk mentions that he doesn't know everything about the void entry. He just, he has very strong speculation. And if he does have like certain information, why is he choosing now to say it? I think it's something a bit more relevant to what's happening now. So like, it's probably less about Void Sentry and more about what the Marines are doing, the return of Joy Boy, and the return of Ancient Weapons. I would say it's more suited to that. Because I don't even know what the world would do with information on the Void Sentry, to be honest. So I think spreading that, especially if you don't know the exact facts, might not be that doesn't seem like something vegapunk would want to do because he's all about science and you know progressing the world that way i don't think he's going to spread rumors or speculation what he's about to tell us is i'm assuming going to be very factual and we are also not on break so we'll be having a chapter next week and of course this chapter sparked a bit more controversy on twitter because the gender piece was going crazy with the sanji versus kizaru last week there were so many memes, everyone was clowning Zoro, everyone was hyping up Sanji, and you kind of get this, and it's, I wouldn't say it's an L for Sanji, but it's not what anyone really wanted. People wanted at least a, a clash with Kizaru. I mean, some people wanted Sanji to 1v1 Kizaru, which was never going to happen. Or at least not at this stage. It's, it's still too early for Sanji, and I would even say Zoro, to be... 1v1ing admirals. Still too early. But basically, Sanji's just getting away again. And it gets kind of tiring. Like, like I said, the panel of him staring down Saturn, it's so clean and crispy, but nothing comes of it. It just feels like a, a lost opportunity. And the way it comes up on Twitter is, it's kind of what I figured would happen. Where it's like, the way agenda piece works when it comes to, to Zoro and Sanji, Usually Zoro's feats get downplayed and usually Sanji's feats get overhyped. Like if Zoro does something, then there's a drawback to it. You know, there's there's always something wrong with it. If Sanji does something, usually it gets hyped up no matter what it is. Like Sanji did this, Sanji did that. And when it flips, like when the roles reverse where Zoro's getting overhyped, there's a lot of kickback on bringing that down. When Sanji gets overhyped, I wouldn't say there's a lot of kickback, but it it hits different because honestly, Sanji doesn't get as many W's. So it's like you want Sanji to have more in his arsenal to fight with. Personally, I really 
would have liked to see Sanji get a fight here. He's not my favorite straw. Actually, he's my least favorite straw hat, to be honest. But I still want to see him get some fights because I think his fighting style is probably the coolest in the entire group. So, like, I want to see more of it. But, you know, I feel like of all people in the crew, Sanji is probably one of the biggest jobbers. And I really can't wait to see how the memes go this way. Because that's one of the best parts of a Jinna piece is seeing how the memes react to this week's chapter. Of course, that's what you sift through the more serious pieces of agenda piece where people are giving you a full-length explanations as to why their agenda is factual which defeats the whole purpose but you know he won't get into that right now instead let's talk about witchcraft works that is the most recent anime that i finished and honestly i kind of want some more of it like it's there's nothing like uh i would say crazy about it like it's not a a blockbuster it's not a you gotta watch this but it's a good time i like the characters I like the story pretty cool i want to see more of the characters like fleshed out i feel like it was kind of condensed and we didn't get a lot of time with everyone because they introduced quite a few characters but because it's only like i think 12 episodes we we pace past a lot of things for example i want more of the chairwoman because he's like the strongest person in the show and she really doesn't fight she kind of just shows up, does a thing or two, and then they, they take her out of the, the anime to let the, the actual main characters fight. And I'm like, uh, but I want to see her fight. It's also, it's it's oddly animated. Because when they do, they do the CGI thing, and I don't love CGI in anime. Like, it just, it throws me off a little bit. But I didn't mind it as much here, because, I mean, it... It worked with how their powers work, and it was pretty amusing. But sometimes they just go off with animation. Like, there's there's certain scenes where they just feel like they have to use their entire budget on the animation when I feel like it's not necessary, but I'm thankful for it because it looks amazing. But yeah, it's a nice little anime. Like, it's... I would give it, like, a 7 out of 10. Decent. Enjoyable. A fun little watch. If there was, like multiple seasons of it and each season was very similar i probably wouldn't stick through the whole thing i would probably need it to progress a little bit better but for i mean like you know a short one season series it's pretty nice as far as gaming still playing final fantasy 7 remake and i'm still loving it i'm on chapter 14 now i believe so the plate just dropped everyone's dead and we're we're trying to find people you know people still have hope nah they all get crushed which which was pretty sad like i it progressed in a way that kind of hit me each time because it started with bigs and i was like okay that, that kind of sucks i liked bigs and then jesse and i was like oh i really grew to like jesse jesse might be one of my favorite characters in the game and then wedge who was like, I, I'm mad about Wedge because I thought Wedge was going to, like, make it out and live for everybody else. Nah, he gets stuck in there. He still gets crushed. At least as far as I can tell, like, I, we're at the part now where I'm going back to Sector 7, trying to see if anyone survived. And based on what I saw, no one should be alive. They should all be done. Like, Biggs didn't even die from, like, the plate falling explosion. He just got shot up. 
and actually same with Jesse. She blew up. So <laughs> the the plate falling should just be the, the cherry on top. But man, this is such a fun experience. Like I like I said before, I really haven't gotten into the Final Fantasies and I played like I like I said, I started seven and sixteen at the same time to see which one would capture me more in the intro. And like I've been enjoying seven so much that I'm not even hyped to go back to 16. Not saying I won't go back and play it, but I think what I might do is play seven and then jump into Persona and then go to 16 after that. Like this game is making me a lot more interested in the whole Final Fantasy lore. Because as far as I know, like not every story is connected. Like there are bits and pieces that kind of exist in their own portion of the universe as far as I can see. Like the first one I played, which I think was 13 some time ago, didn't seem like it had any connection to what's going on here now, but you know, that's years in between. So I probably couldn't make a connection even if I knew what was going on. But like after playing this, I wanna play, I, I wanna play Rebirth, which I probably won't because I'm not about to buy seven again, especially if it's like 70 bucks. Even though it looks really nice, and like a lot of the, the things coming out about it are like you can change like the main character, you can play as anybody. As far as like a main character goes, like when I play remake right now, I always make Tifa the leader. So that when I go into battle, it starts with Tifa. But if I could like play Tifa the whole time, that would be crispy. That's almost worth me buying again. Almost. But probably gonna pop some more into that today and later on this week. I'm wondering how many chapters I I honestly thought it would be like, like 14 would be like the the length of it, but I think we still got a little bit more to go here. And last but not least, I I spent a lot of time kind of just brainstorming some ideas of, I want to make some, some other videos and just adjust content a little bit. And I was like working on thumbnails, I was working on all this kind of stuff for the channel, for the podcast, and for some reason it just clicked in my mind to make a has-been hotel megalovania video and i spent like three hours making this really stupid video that i'm definitely going to upload and it's going to be terrible but the idea just tickled me so much that i had to stop everything else that i was doing i had to stop being productive to make this video but y'all are going to get it because I, I was forced to make it by my own self and now I'm, I'm making you all watch it. So look out for that on the main channel. Otherwise, that is going to do it for this week. Next, we're going to have the new chapter. I really want to get to the point where I watch the, the live action and I can talk about that. I, I've seen the first episode and I am thoroughly impressed with the first episode. That's all I'm going to say for now. I'm going to save it for when I do the actual series, but... I did enjoy the first episode and I also want to talk about Avatar because I plan on catching some episodes of that and seeing if it's going to turn out to be a huge flop or actually okay. We'll see how it goes. I'll catch y'all on the next one. Bye.